The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit NerdistSchool.com. I'm Paul Lair, and I've got anger issues. Convenient fees on Live Nation, that pisses me off. People who drive slow in traffic, that pisses me off. Dropping things, that pisses me off. So what do I do to manage my anger? I have a podcast called Say Anger, where I have a guest on every week. They tell me what makes them angry, and then it's like this little therapy session. It'll help you out, and sure as hell helps me out. So help me help you by subscribing to the Nerdist School Network. The Novice and Frank present a comic book podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Novice and Frank. I'm Frank. I'm just Frank. He knows everything. That's Frank. He's sure. he's the novice. I'm Amanda. I'm the novice. And uh, welcome. Thank you for listening. We're going to talk about Multiversity Today by Grant Morrison. Frank is very, that's his tiny clapping that you probably hear. He's very excited. Uh, so we're going to discuss that. Before we do, we got to do our improvised theme song, Frank. That's right, Amanda. Why don't you kick it off for us? Okay. Multiversity, multiversity. Multiple universes. One, you're wearing pants. Two, you're wearing hats. Three, you only have socks. Five, you're tiny and six, you're another race. Seven, all the women look like foxes. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's multiversity, multiversity with the novice and Frank. I felt like that was pretty cohesive. Was, yeah, it was. I always like that point where either one of us will break because of something ridiculous. <laughs> says, yes. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, boy, just get ready for the, I think but we really should commit to by the end of this year really putting out uh, just a CD of these we, themes. We songs. do. Well, maybe by the end of the year we'll have some kind of crazy new medium to put them out. Maybe we'll do like a, instead of having a traditional CD. Oh, yeah. We can do like VR. Know. Let's get into that VR oh, stuff. Gosh, like, yeah, we'll do a VR concert of yeah. us singing all of these songs. Where it's like you're in the the, the, the recording room with us. The podcast booth. And speaking of the podcast booth, we are right here at the Nerdist School podcasting booth, right next to Meltdown Comics here on Fantastic Sunset Boulevard in nighttime, Los Angeles, <laughs> Los California. Los Angeles. Yes, we are. We are oh so glamorous. And you call everything by the right name. Look at me. I did great. it. You're nailing you know, it. I, look at me. I took a little time away, really got you know together with myself. It was all the, just repeating it on the drive over. Okay. Just, don't blow it up. And of course, as always, we have our man making us sound so good. We have Trevor. We have Trevor. Hi, Trevor. Hi. Yay. We have <laughs> Yay. Uh, and just real quick, Trevor's picks for comics this week? Um, Flash number 15. Read for the podcast. Flash mm-hmm. number 15, nice. great. And Saga 42. <gasps> Saga Ooh. 42. Which may or may not be the conclusion of one of their six-issue runs. Oh, oh, okay. Because Saga, they basically, um, it's like six issues on, like a couple months off, to sort of make sure they keep maintain schedule. Yeah. So they always take these like extended breaks in between like chunks of issue. And I believe, I don't want to flip through it because I don't want things spoiled, but I believe this might be the end. Huh. And that always means something... Big's gonna down. happen. Oh, yeah, I am not man. caught up on Saga, so I gotta, I gotta get caught Where are you up. At? I'm in the early 30s. All right. Early 30s, both in life and in Saga. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm still yeah. back in the teens. Are you? Both yeah. in mentality and in Saga. That's right. Yeah. And clothing choices. Oh, great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Rocking some sweet khakis today. That's right, guys. <laughs> I was on the mic. 
That's <laughs> terrible. That's my on the mic dance. <laughs> you're doing your, uh, yeah. You're Oof. changing people's pe- changing people's life with knowledge today. Oh, so you're wearing sh- a little little work uniform. Oh yeah, look at yeah, me. That's do, great. Do, 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 do. But yeah. enough of that. We are here because maybe in another world. I could be some. I could be a pop star. You could. You you could be a K-pop star. Uh, yes. In another world. That's true. And perhaps uh, they could find me in that world of multiversity. Oh yes, they would. Which, yes. Here's. There's so much to. There's so much to talk about with this. So, before we get started, do you want to give kind of a little overview, if you can, of like of, of what it's about, an approach and storyline? Well, I guess so. Multiversity is. Uh, I, I guess you could consider like Grant Morrison's kind of. Uh, conclusion to his superhero writings at least for the foreseeable future so he uh, of course probably i knew him best he, he started off in the uk doing mm-hmm. a bunch of writing there for like uh, 2080 for zenith uh then came over here did animal man various other titles on uh justice league he had a great run on justice league as well uh then hopped over to marvel for a while and did uh the, the uncanny x-men kind of changed that to the new x-men mm-hmm. then moved back to dc and did this lengthy run on batman Okay. And then he did All-Star Superman after that. And then uh, when they rebooted DC Universe to the New 52, he took over Action Comics, kind of rebooted the core concept of Superman. And I liked his version, but then when he left, because he was only on for 18 issues, then I felt like it was a shame because that nobody else knew exactly how to take the baton from Grant Morrison and really kind of do fantastic yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, but he decided to kind of conclude it by doing this multiversity because DC's known for doing these big cross multi-universe kind of epic storylines where worlds change, worlds live, worlds die. And they've alluded to a bunch of different worlds. Yes. Kind of throughout, it seems, that they're like, oh, on this other Earth. And you're just like, what about the other Earth? And he basically Grant Morrison went and created this – I mean, I've I've got the big giant trade paperback here, and it's like a – it's like a who's who of the multiversity. It's got a breakdown of each different Earth um, and sort of what the trademarks of those Earths are. And it has it does have a story running all the way through. It does. As well. And it's yeah. cool because that, that guidebook of the multiverse, some of those are based on uh, previous titles that other writers have done. Mm. Uh, like you're looking at the, uh, the one Vampire Earth where it's based on Batman Red Rain, a graphic novel that came out late 80s, I think. Yeah, uh, Kelly Jones, Doug, uh, Doug Munch. Yeah, so that, uh, extrapolating that that is one world. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shazam, he used to have Earth-S. That was kind of his world before Crisis on Infinite Earths kind of merged everything together. There's one where the Nazis win World yeah. War II. And, and they... Superman, well, Superman crashed, la- instead of coming to the farm, yes. <laughs> he crash lands in in Germany and basically helps the Nazis win the war, right? You know, Superman. Super- oh, Superman. For shame, Come for on. shame, so, but I, that's what I always loved about DC. I feel like Marvel kind of tried to piggyback on that, but I never really enjoyed that. Mm. I felt like DC was always cool that they had all these different multiple Earths, and I just felt like that always just sucked me in reading that. And I, I thought that was one thing that weakened the DC universe when they did Crisis on Infinite Earths and collapsed everything into one universe. Uh, okay. Uh, is that what they? Is that what happens in Crisis? That everything collapses. Yeah. So it's you like just Photoshop. have one Earth. It's yeah. like if you have like a bunch of layers in Photoshop and you flatten it. Exactly. And to be one flat image. And actually, instead of like uh, infinite number of universes, there's only five Earths. Oh, so okay. So that kind of got collapsed all into one. There are way more Earths than this one. Yeah. Uh, so then after, uh, so it was like that until uh, Infinite Crisis. And then they also, they reintroduced the multiverse. And so then now you had 52 Earths back in action again. So back in play. And so now you've got all of this there uh, with Grant Morrison kind of taking, kind of cataloging and dissecting what these 52 universes are mm-hmm. for the most part. There's a couple, as you saw in the guidebook, that have question marks about them. Right. Which, in one sense, is kind of cool because it allows 
other people hopefully to pick up this idea mm-hmm. and have a chance to influence it as well, kind of put their two cents in on what these other earths may be as well. Yeah. Well, and it's, it, there are all these different, there are all these different earths and they're strung together in this case, kind of by a single storyline. Yes. Um, you know, like a, th- a thread with beads on it. And it's interesting because like when anytime like DC's done like those big crossovers, whether it be Crisis on Infinite Earth, Zero Hour, Final Crisis, Infinite Crisis, uh, they always like they have the main story, which runs seven or eight issues or in Crisis on Infinite Earth's case, 12. Mm-hmm. But then you always have like the ancillary titles. Uh, any of the other titles that are being published at the same time might do a tie-in issue. Mm-hmm. They might do like their own spinoff miniseries as well. They kind of uh, relate to the miniseries, but... And it, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes it feels like a cash grab. Like yeah. Because uh, a lot of the stories, I don't know, they don't really have very much impact to the main storyline. Mm-hmm. But it's up to you. If you want to buy every single thing, they <laughs> DC will make it so you feel like you have to. Right. Uh, and your mileage may vary on how much it may influence it or not. Okay. Uh, it'd be a, a tie-in to the real story. This I kind of thought was cool because you have the two bookend books. Uh, but then the rest of them are just kind of like standalone titles that overall have an influence through there, mm-hmm. uh, but they all just stand pretty much as just singular issues, which mm-hmm. I thought was a really, really cool approach. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really neat. And I like I like all the reference material. It's like a really dorky thing to say. I know, but I, I know you I, love it. I mean, look at this is a lady that loves Lazarus <laughs> and all the details that they put inside there. <laughs> I'm a fan. I like it. But for me, it's like this This to me felt like a love letter to the DC Universe from Grant Morrison. I would agree very you know, much so. It's like... He's, it's it's almost like he went, well, I know all this shit. Like, what do I do with all this information? Well, I'll just put it in a book. And, you know, and, and it just feels pretty well thought out. And there's a lot of creativity. But everything's pretty much based in information that has been provided by somebody else at some point in time. Yeah, I like that because he'll, he'll recontextualize previous characters and information and really kind of show you the possibilities with it. Mm. And sometimes I feel with Grant Morrison, he will set up all these great premises, ideas, concepts. And then they just lay there. Nobody else, for the most part, will ever really pick them up. Uh, mm. There's very few things that other, other writers will tap into and say, like, that was a great idea. I'm going to take this and run with it in my book or maybe spin off something out of that. I feel like there's a lot of stuff left on the table when Grant Morrison comes and does a title for your universe. Yeah, that's cool. Do, do you think that that's intentional on his part? Do you think he's like, I want to set this up for somebody else to, to knock it out of the park? Or, you know, like to kind of... Do you think that's an intentional thing on his part? I don't know, because I think when you're working like in a shared universe like mm-hmm. Marvel or DC, mm-hmm. I mean, it's you could have two mindsets. One where you're just going to come in and you're going to tell your story about these, this character, whether it be Superman, Spider-Man, whoever it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Do your one year, six issues, maybe two, three year run, and then just tie everything up in a bow and then hand it off to another creator. They can just pick it up in the sense where the, any other writer could come in and just start from ground zero with their own take on the character and go off. You don't even have to worry about referencing anything that's happened during this writer's run because they kind of tie everything up. But then there's other ones that want to, at the end, kind of leave some things on the table, uh, some maybe dangling plot lines, maybe a cliffhanger or something like that to kind of give that writer uh, something else to work with if they choose to. Mm. And I feel like if you're working in a shared universe, that's always a cool thing. Like, Mm. I mean, I know it's not in creator rights, when you're creating new characters and stuff, I mean, certainly you're losing that if you're working for one of the big two. Yeah. Uh, but I think you can take old characters and ideas that have been introduced and freshen them up, put a new coat of paint on them, kind of show them that it doesn't have to be that hokey kind of jokey thing that you may have thought back in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. There's something really cool about it. And if I show you how it can be cool, then this is something that's viable for anybody else to use. And I kind of like a writer that will 
Like Embrace freshen it up. That. And, yeah, freshen it up and leave other people's stuff to play with. So if I wanted to, so okay, so obviously, so the the characters and the ideas are owned by DC. Yes. Right. So if I wanted to go and say, hey, here's one of these mystery Earths, I want to elaborate on that. Could I do that? You could write a pitch, and I mean, uh, but you'd have to pitch it for D- to DC. I couldn't yeah. do like an independent no. label. But if I was a writer for DC, and they okayed it, then that's something. So that's that's an example of. It's basically fair game. If any of the other writers employed by DC wants to go and tackle that new Earth and write a whole spinoff series on that new Earth, as long as DC's like, yeah, that's cool, then that's an open possibility, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and some writers may have like an idea for that, like a kernel of an idea, mm-hmm. and maybe you you pitch it to DC and they don't like it. So what you do is you just strip away all the DC elements of it, and you write your own story, and then you take it to Image, Dark Horse, Boom, something mm-hmm. like that, and IDW, and then you release that. Now it's your own series, and mm. you get a. The plus of that is that they, then you're no longer beholden to the DC concepts, and you can take these characters any way you want. Right, and you don't have to worry about messing with the integrity per se of the DC universe or the uh, universe that's already established that has fans that are diehard fans of a certain run that yeah. are going to say, "Well, this doesn't stay ring true to this particular run." Uh, now, for this character. As somebody that is Grant Morrison's best friend, uh-huh. that's you, Amanda That's Barnes. me, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're BFFs. There's photographic evidence of you guys embracing each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Huh. Uh, you know, I don't have anything like that because I was snubbed. Uh, <laughs> but Don't think I'm not working on getting him in here <laughs> so that you guys can hash it out I'm, via mm, podcast. It, my, my resentment grows by, by every time I read another page of this. I was like, damn you. You're such a liar. That's you true. loved it. I did, uh, <laughs> but this is uh, you know this is going right into the deep end for mm-hmm. this. So for you, as somebody that's still kind of tiptoeing around in just superheroes in general, but then all of a sudden like big huge events like this, yeah. how did you feel reading this? Um, I I felt like it was a lot. It's kind of one of those things where I'm like, oh, I'm not in on this joke, which you know I feel like pretty frequently with these types of titles, especially with big crossover, any type of crossover. I'm like, I know there's a joke being made here that I'm supposed to understand, but I don't know what it is. Um, but I liked it. I think it's cool collecting all the different artists. I think is really neat. Mm-hmm. And but it's it's nice because when he stays when he's the writer. Then the voice of there has a nice a, a through line and a consistency throughout the collection, you know, because it's his voice. Um, but it's amazing to see how it's influenced by having all the different artists in there. So that's something if if anybody listening um, has not picked this up or maybe they're interested in, um, there's a bunch of different artists that contributed to this collection, which yeah. is neat. No, because I like the idea if you're telling stories from different Earths, why not have different artists depict mm-hmm. those different worlds? Yeah, and very different styles mm-hmm. too. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I actually enjoyed it. I, I did I, maybe more than I thought that I would. Oh, that's um, great. Because I just thought I was going to be really overwhelmed. And in general, I wasn't really overwhelmed. I think it was kind of a cool thing because it's like you get a little taste. This is kind of going along the lines of what you were saying. You get a little taste of a bunch of different earths and different takes on characters, but it's just a taste. Yes. So it's like if somebody wanted to come and use this as like a starter material and be like, all right. I really dug uh, Earth 32. I want to write a whole series about Earth 32. Then that's cool, you know, because some of the Earths I would have liked to have seen more of. All right. So of the just uh, we'll get into the the multiple Earths in a second. Uh But just to go back to the one issues that were published in the course of Multiversity, uh, for the ones that had their own individual issues, was there one of those Earths that you would love to see more stories told in? (sighs) There's one that really annoyed me. 
Ooh, all right, lay down me. Which one was that? Let's see the if it one, the it's the Earth where. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, it was it was Earth fifteen, I think. And Earth that? fifteen. So this is when. No, wait, hold on. Sixteen. It's the one where you had mega megamorpho kill herself. Oh yeah, that just uh yeah. They're so Earth, it's like emo Earth, Earth basically. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Earth Me. This is my um, least favorite issue of the series. Really? Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Yeah. And here's the thing. I didn't I don't think that it's the idea isn't interesting. It's just so dripping with what it is, which is melodrama and like teen angst and kind of this emo like whatever. You know, and the premise of that Earth um Peace, prosperity, and boredom reign supreme. So you've got all the sons of the original superheroes. So you've got the son of Batman, I believe. Yes. Is dating the... He's with the daughter of Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Right? And everybody's just, like, so bored and over it because, like, their parents already, like, cure everything in the mm, world. And they're right. just, like, they just want to feel something. And I'm like, I want to destroy this earth. Where, uh, where we have... Uh, I mean, the, the idea of... Uh... Sister Miracle, Sasha Norman, or she's inf- affected by that techno virus. That's uh, yeah. Unless I get real, like I feel emotion. I'm yeah, like, she can't feel emotion, so she can't get the. It's the atom, right? Yes. She can't get him out of her system. Yeah. She can't like feel emotion until her best friend commits suicide, and that was enough. And then for she's her to like f- a single tear, <laughs> a single tear rolls down my cheek. Um, but to think so that, that one, yeah, that was like mostly annoying. Um, but like Alexis Luthor, like basically because she didn't get invited to this party, to then destroy, decide she's gonna destroy everything. Uh huh. Like, As you do. Yeah. As right. you do. Yeah. No, Great. I get it. I thought the we- there was a weird one with the, the big giant baby. Big baby. Oh, uh, yeah. Big behemoth. Yeah, where the, the smart. It was almost like their, their analog version of the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Where it's the guy. He's, in, he's, he's all in blue. blue. Yes. And he wears a diaper. Yep. What I liked is that that was the take uh, of Marvel characters in there. So that's their version of the Hulk. He's an okay. idea of interpreting. Because you've got Captain America, Thor, Hulk. All those kind of like his take on the Marvel universe. So the closest you'd ever get to a DC Marvel kind of crossover in the story. Okay, cool. I liked Earth Twenty Three, where basically it was Superman's secret identity is he he's the president. I man, I really thought that I was thought cool. that was really neat. Yeah, I mean, just imagine being Superman is already a crazy job, but then you're also the president of the United States. Uh huh. Where man, it but nobody, but you can't also let anybody know that as well. Right. So juggling two incredibly powerful yeah, positions. How do you even do it? How do you even do it? So I like that story. I'd see more. And it would it seems like all of the inhabitants of that earth are they are they black? It seems like it. It I, seems like it. At least all the heroes are, which is cool. But it's I couldn't cool gauge on Batman, because like in the in the multiversity, the first issue, I couldn't tell if he was black. And then in the the guidebook, when you look at that earth, it looks like Batman is white. Huh. I just I honestly it's I think there's something really cool about seeing different designs on your same characters yes there, that's really there's really neat like i was like damn like black wonder woman is awesome <laughs> like her design is so cool it's you know like her her suit and her in her hair everything's just really awesome so um that was cool but i would i would read more of that just because the designs are really neat and they're different and I like the idea of Superman having to also be the president of the United States. Oh, yeah. I, I think that's cool. So I would definitely read more of that Earth. I think that's There neat. was, oh, gosh, let me see if I can pull it up. Because for some reason on my iPad, no matter how many times I deleted it and tried to re-download it, the, the finale issue, I couldn't get to oh. <clears throat> pop up on my iPad. So I had to pull it, read it up on my phone again. Oh, that's so sad. But there's the, uh, at the end where they're, they're all back on the, uh, the monitor's uh, ship. Mm-hmm. 
and you see everybody, and there's the one Superman that's got like the big, huge black afro. Yeah. I love that Superman. He's so cool. He's looking. cool. He's cool yeah. looking. Yes. Yeah. I was like, all right, I dig that. For me, Sunshine I. Sunshine Superman. Yes. Sunshine Superman. Uh, so that, his world is like 70s, <clears throat> right? Isn't his world like super groovy? Like the world of Prez. Like, so yeah, it's, it's all these like, uh, th- that's like my favorite Earth. Is it? It's all <laughs> these like psychic, yeah, because it's Prez, it's Teenage President, then Sunshine Superman. Um, uh, the Green Lantern has this like tune in, uh, turn on, drop out shirt on. <laughs> um, but yeah, th- that's my favorite Earth. That's fun. I, that, and that's really fun. Like some super, I mean, no pun intended, like super fun changes, ah, you know, being made. Yeah. And choices, just the choices are really fun. And then there's that one Earth where everybody's tiny. Oh yes, and it's like the, they've the, never known. It's it's like a cartoon. It's intentionally like a cartoon Earth, yeah. right? So they've never known war. They've never known anything but like peace and happiness until this, they get invaded and by this one villain. Yeah, the and now they're like, Savannah. Oh, no. yeah. yeah, the uh, the one Earth. I re- well, there's three stories in there that I really liked. Uh, was the uh, the one with the other uh, the pulp heroes? They're taking that with Doc mm-hmm. Fate and yes. the Immortal Man. Yeah, man, I really that I'd love to see more stories in. It just seemed really interesting to me. Uh, then of course I love Captain Marvel, and this was I'm not a hu- I'm not at all a fan of the Captain Marvel in the New Fifty Two. Okay, <clears throat> I just don't like they they now call him Shazam. He's wearing the big cl- the hood on mm-hmm. his cape. I just mm-hmm. ugh, I don't really like that at all. But this was cool to go back to old school Captain Marvel in this this version. I just really miss seeing this version of the character. It kind of it kind of bugs me when they decide that a character all of a sudden has a new name now. It feels like a weird cop out. Does that make sense? Well, the, the problem is that Marvel has the copyright, at least for the character, so they can't publish a title called Captain Marvel. So they always have to refer to it as, like, the power of Shazam or something like that, Shazam, so, which isn't really his name because he that's the name he says to gain his powers. Yeah. But I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, it's fine. Call the title Shazam, but just call him Captain Marvel. That's what his name should be, not yeah. Shazam. That makes it so weird to me. So, so Shazam, so Captain Marvel obviously was a Marvel character, and this is she's so how they get away with that? Well, this actually Captain Mar- this Captain Marvel was created first, but uh, you know then Fawcett Comics was sued by DC Comics because they thought that this Captain Marvel was too similar to Superman. Oh, so they said this character is too close. We want to sue them because they're infringing on us. So they had to stop publishing Captain Marvel, and then eventually DC Comics acquired Fawcett Comics. So many years later, and then started started doing their own stories on it. Okay. But it was a shame that they they got because at one point this was selling better than Superman comics was. Oh wow! Back in the forties. Oh, yeah, that's uh, interesting. I like that. And then just for the sheer storytelling mechanics, and we're certainly not really covering the stories. We're jumping all around here. We but, are uh, the Pax Americana issue. Yeah, which is very cool. The yeah. storytelling in that man, Frank Whiteley's art is phenomenal, mm. and just the way they're breaking up like multiple different timelines. In those huge grids. So you're seeing snippets of them just intercut with each other. And that was amazing. Yeah. It's kind of, you're looking at like, what am I looking at? And then you're like, wow, this is neat. And the way they were able to do it, to communicate that way. And just, I love the idea of using uh, color and Mm -hmm. different color tones for each of the different timelines Mm -hmm. to really help it kind of differentiate. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It made it, it helped make it it a little more um, readable. It's easier to follow for me. And now, having read Watchmen, mm-hmm. uh, now, do you see a lot of the similarities uh, when, upon reading this as well? Because these are basically based on a lot of the characters that... Did we... Did That's all. Did we read Watchmen? Have we read Watchmen? Have no. you read Watchmen? No. Okay. Well, then... <laughs> <laughs> then I retract. My it's high on my statement. list though because it, on every like 
list of essential books you're supposed to read, Watchmen is right up there. Well, then that'd be really cool when you read this because this is a world that's uh, these characters were the basis for the characters that are in Watchmen. Oh, okay. I wondered because some of the they seem similar. Yeah, like so just the small knowledge that I have of Watchmen, I was like, this seems kind of familiar. Yeah, Alan Moore kind of took those and made his own analog versions of those so that he could really do variety of different stuff with them that DC was a little reluctant to actually do with the Charlton characters. When you refer to an analog version, like in that context, what do you mean by that? Like, uh, it's very similar to, like, um, I, I guess in a, in a broad spec, you could think of, like, Captain Marvel as an analog for Superman. Not really. It's not really a one-to-one comparison because, you know, different power sets and stuff like that. Okay. But where the idea is that you create a character that's very similar to a DC, like a, a, a big two property, but just different enough that you can tell... You don't get sued. <laughs> well, you get sued, and you can tell stories, and everybody will unconsciously or subconsciously make that connection, like, oh, this is kind of like a Superman story. So oh, you also okay. kind of bring that... A Superman or a Spider-Man okay. or whatever character you're kind of uh, basing it on. But then you get to tell your own stories without any worries about, like, corporate, you know, ownership of this character. And that seems like the way to do it if you want to write superhero stories. Yeah, some of it can be kind of like fan really service well. kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But, like, Kurt Busiek, who's been doing Astro City for years and years and years, I mean, he has a lot of characters that kind of just like analogs to DC and Marvel characters. And it's phenomenal. It's so well done. Hmm. All right, cool. Uh, so, man, just by storytelling alone, just the execution of it, man, Pax Americana issue is probably my number one. Yeah, I I mean, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that one. Because it's all about fractured timelines. Yeah, it's a little confusing. It's a lot. It is. To wrap for me, I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I probably need to go through and read it again, actually. This time I was like, I, I just got to finish this before our podcast. <laughs> so I, I read everything, but, I, but now it's I kind of want to go through and a couple of them I want to reread. With a little more focus. Now, uh, when we get the first issue, we get introduced to like a, which I like is a nice homage to Crisis on Infinite Earths, where you have the monitor ship and a wide variety of heroes are pulled from their Earths to kind of gather together and realize that there's some huge crisis underway and they need to. They've basically been imprisoned, right? They've been like, they've been like put there, but they don't know why. Yeah, uh, I mean, unlike I guess the original Crisis, you had one of the monitors there to kind of give them all this information. Mm-hmm. Unlike this time, the monitor we see has been kind of corrupted mm. uh, and lost while he's trying to save one of the Earths. Uh, but you meet all these other characters, and I, what I, my, probably my favorite character, they, they re, that's like Grant Morrison, like another example of him kind of taking a character that's kind of silly and goofy, mm-hmm. but kind of beloved as well, and kind of showing you like this guy is still viable today, mm-hmm. and that's Captain Carrot. Oh, yeah, the bunny. Yes. Because <laughs> originally... I was, uh, I was like, what's the deal with this <laughs> You do see <laughs> his earth in the... Yeah, it's like... Is that the one where all the... No, wait. There's one of them where all the beasts are like men and the men are like beasts, but there's like only one guy left? Uh, there. No, that that's Commandy, which is also really cool as well. But this is the earth uh, where everybody's... Isn't that bunny in the one that I liked? The, the run that I liked with the Superman who's also a president? Uh, Does he make an appearance in there? He does, uh, but this is the Earth where you see the uh, you see the variety of different uh, animals, kind of like uh, in superhero costumes fighting against mm-hmm. each other. But uh, and they're called they've got a name, right? They're like the creature squad or something. The creature squad. They're, they're just like <laughs> they've all got a name. Oh, they just the, passed it. The, the, it? the zoo crew. The, the zoo, zoo crew. Yeah, zoo crew. Creature then, squad, zoo crew. And then the, they're the the JLA in that one is just a lot of animals. Really? Yes. That is adorable. But I because certainly 
Captain Carrot was looked. I mean, certainly this look on him where he's kind of freshened up. Uh-huh. Uh, not how he originally looks. Way more cartoony. Way more similar to looking like if you made Bugs Bunny. Just a look of him, but you instead you like I don't know beefed him is. up. I've never heard of that. I, I'm, I'm doing a reach. Mm. You might want to Google it. You know, <laughs> find out what it looks like. Bugs. What was it? <laughs> is he a bug and a bunny? Bu- Bunay. Bugs. Bunay. Uh, yeah, he this he's funny, this but, little bunny. But he's not actually funny. He's like he's kind of ripped and scary looking. Yeah, but I thought like this is a cool way to take that kind of goofy kind of childhood character and then make it look like a, a viable, usable character right now. Yeah. And the idea that uh, his world operates under cartoon physics, so he can be splatted and bounce back and everything. Yeah, it's hard to kill them. Yes, because they're cartoon physics. You can slice off his head, and it's still great. I, thought, I yeah yeah it's it's pretty neat. I like Dino Cop. Yes, which to me just like Savage Dragon right there. It's like, all right, uh, which is curious to like why Grant Morrison, out of any other characters, he decided to do an analog of Savage Dragon. One of the Earths has a, is, a, is an image uh, analog. If you look at his Earth, uh, the one that he's from, he, it's definitely like the image analog world. Ah, that's great. I just, I think his design is cool. He's like super weird looking. Dino Cop, man. Dino Cop, yeah. Uh, where's the picture? I'm gonna show, show you what like Captain Carrot originally looks like. There we go. I know that everybody in the podcast is gonna be excited because we're just uh, silently googling. Yes, uh, yeah, it's very exciting for everybody. Sorry, I got lost because I started looking at my book again. So there <laughs> the rest of the podcast is just gonna be Frank and I. That is ridiculous. So Frank has pulled up and has shown me a, an old school Captain Carrot. When is that from? Gosh, this has got to be from the 80s. Yeah, he looks like he was done with crayons. And <laughs> he's like done with crayons, and he looks like he, he'd sound like, hey, everybody, I'm Captain Carrot. There that's you, how I picture his voice coming out. <laughs> Except maybe with like little buck teeth. So he'd be like, hey, everybody, I'm Captain Carrot. Pretty close. But I, but then again, like you see how he kind of revamp it, tweak it a little bit, and uh-huh. then all of a sudden he looks like a really awesome, cool character in this version. Yeah. Yeah, no, he uh, he looks cool in, in this. And, and, and I like... Uh, Aquaman, Aquawoman, too. Yeah, yes. She's pretty cool. So, I don't know, like, the whole overall idea of the story is just, like, a, a comic book that uh, will infiltrate It's like the ring. Mind. Yes. If you <laughs> read it, then you die, so to speak. Yeah. So, it infiltrates your mind. Yes. Yes. And let's say it opens up a gateway. Uh, a lot of heady concepts in terms of that. Yeah. The What's dumb is that it kept recurring, but I wasn't entirely sure what was going on. With the comic book thing. I knew it was cursed. Those were like, have you read the cursed comic book? It's like, yeah. no, don't read. Why would you? Your question is redundant. <laughs> because I'm here and my mind is sound. So clearly I didn't read the cursed comic book. But we're talking to, to you. We're talking to you, the reader. Yeah. Can you hear that voice in your head? No. It's, you already hear it. The voice. Am in I your reading head. the cursed comic book? Is that what this, the greatest joke of all is? Is that this, what the story I'm reading is the cursed one? Well, we do get to read the Curse comic book there in uh, the, the Ultra Comics. Mm, yeah, and Ultra, Com- Ultra Comics is also a character. Yes. Yeah. He's uh, created uh, through, you know, just uh, made of all the elements of a comic book there. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting. Like, basically powered by all of our collective thoughts. So we create our own little superhero right there. Mm, is it's... Ultra the, the hero we need mm. or the one we deserve? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like... I think in Ghostbusters, when you have to choose your, like, choose your opponent, and you all try to clear your mind, and you end up with the Marshmallow Man. Yeah. You know? That's true. 
Well, it's kind of cool where he uh, they upload everything uh, behavior codes from golden age to modern inclusive, mm-hmm. and just seeing just like the little just quick snapshots of like trying to encapsulate a particular era mm-hmm. in one panel, which uh, is which is really neat. Yeah. It's like a little visual history lesson. And I give it up for uh, Grant Morrison, though, because uh, he can easily distill things down to a single panel and have it just say everything you need to. I mean, he boiled down Superman's origin into four panels, and I thought that was so great. Does he get to do that, or does is that the artist? Well, he, I mean, he kind of calls the shots when he's writing out the script. Okay. And he says, all right, I just need four panels, and I need him each panel to say this, 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 and this. Okay. So. I wasn't sure, because... Um... Yeah, I, I wasn't sure how much say and, you know, how much pull the writer has in that process or if it's just like they, they literally just give a script and then it's up to the artist to decide how many panels. I mentioned for this he calls probably for specifically how many pa- – if, if the artist has – or the writer has an idea of like how many panels he wants on this page because mm-hmm. he's trying to – pacing-wise, uh-huh. wants something specific, then he'll say, all right, I just want two panels on this page. One is going to be like early golden age uh, comically, you know, distilled down to – He'll call me the line of dialogue that he's be saying and what the action that he's doing, but mm-hmm. it's up then the artist then to kind of how he's going to stage that on the panel. That's where the artist will kind of contribute to that. That's interesting. I I was just talking with so um, one of my uh, friends, Eric. Actually, he has uh, he used to write for comic books, and uh, now he's a director in animation. And uh, write and draw, I think he produced his own content. But he listens to our podcast. So hi, Eric, if you're listening. Eric. Um, but, uh, we were talking. He, he listened to the, the one that we did on um, with the X Factor arc. Oh, yes. And he said he, he was like, I, he, it made me feel a little validated because he felt the same way. He's, you know, he's grown up with them. But he felt the same way about the art in X Factor that I did. Which is like it's all it's confusing because it's it's especially with the action panels, the way it's done, you don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. and it made me feel better to be like, oh, good, I'm <laughs> not just an idiot. Like, but he was saying the same thing. I wish I could think of what run he was talking about specifically, but how kind of lazy it was because it's like whoever the artist is just wants to do everything in one panel. It's like that you can see when you're reading it. It's like they went through a period of time where it's clear that. They just didn't want to draw eight panels. They just drew like one. So it's like every every page is like a splash. But there was also a time too where like selling your original art, I mean, still is a, a way for artists to make income. Mm-hmm. But splash pages sell much better than ones that have multiple panels on it. So. Sure. And I believe it because that's, I mean, it's really cool to frame a big piece like that. Yeah. But for the sake of storytelling, I wish I'm going to have to ask him which who he was talking about. But he was talking, we were talking about that and just how. For the sake of readability, you could see for a while that there was one artist that was just like every book. It was like every page was a splash page. Like, come on, guys, can we see a close up of somebody? At some yeah, point? exactly. And he's like, you kind of just had to guess what was going on because there was no like cut in on any action at all, <laughs> which is interesting. Do you have? Uh, we just mentioned original art for a second. Have you? Do you have an interest in owning any original? Oh art? yes. Pick. Uh, well, I'm gonna guess it's probably gonna be the page from Lazarus or a page from Saga. They, if you could get, you'd want. I mean, I would do a big poster of one of the covers from Bitch Planet. Oh, I think it'd okay. be pretty cool, just because they're graphically really cool, really striking, um, and they're super kind of pop artish. Would you want to buy a piece of original art, or would you rather find an artist at a convention and get a original sketch? Oh, I like both of those. I mean, if it's if it's one of the, um, you know, like I know that. 
I've seen, you know, panels that are were the big ones that were used to create the comic book. Mm-hmm. That I think is so neat. And those are usually pricey, depending on the book and the artist. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to commissioning somebody too. But I feel kind of weird. This is this is what's strange. I kind of feel weird commissioning, even if they do a great job with that character. If you've never drawn Wonder Woman in a published book, I don't necessarily want to pay you to draw Wonder Woman. Does that make oh, really? sense? Okay. I kind of want the person who draws the character in the book that I like, that I have at home, then I would commission that person to draw in that style. Hmm. I'm not to the point yet where even if I love somebody's art, like if I love your art, I want to buy your art, period. And I'll commission you, period. But I'll probably commission something from for something from you that is that I have that I've seen. And I'm like, oh man, you know, I loved your, I loved your run on, you know, just, I don't know what to, how to, how to like say that. Like, just because I like somebody as an artist doesn't mean that I would be like, I love you as an artist. Will you draw this character that you don't draw <laughs> yeah. ever? You know what I mean? I love everything you've done. Now draw something you don't do. Like Chip Zdarsky. I'd never be like, hey, Chip Zdarsky, would you draw Wonder Woman? You oh, know? you should. I, Chip Zdarsky is the kind of guy you should ask to draw anything because he'd probably have a lot of fun with it. That's true, but then it would be for that purpose. It would be for like a cool, weird, different take on Wonder Woman. But if I'm looking for something that is in a certain style, you know, I'm, I'm probably, I would rather have an artist that, like, I would have like Jim Lee commission. I would do like a, you know, like a superhero commission from Jim Lee. Your close personal friend, Jim Lee. Yeah, my BFF, Jim Lee. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. You, you also met him. I did. I did meet Jim Lee, and then it was weird because like three weeks later, he came and talked at my work. And I wanted to make a big deal about it. I want to be like, Jim. <laughs> and I didn't. Wait, I, I didn't know that he came and talked? Yeah, he came and talked. But it was kind of weird because nobody was expecting him. They did a terrible job. <laughs> we all went to see, is all WB Animation. And we went to see, like, sizzle reels for new shows and kind of see, like, what everybody was working on in this big auditorium, which was very cool. I enjoyed that. Uh, and but the guy gave no, there was no pomp and circumstance. Nobody knew he was going to be there coming. So the guy that was moderating was like, and now Jim Lee. And he walked up and everybody's like, what? <laughs> so he sat and he talked and it was really cool because, you know, they displayed on the screen like all of these. There's that there's a one big epic battle sequence that he's done that I've seen before. And like that I would love to have. It's this huge, long, like a panoramic of all the heroes and they're like at war. Hmm. And it's really cool. I'll look it up and, and show it to you. But I would love Ooh. that. Um, but uh, so I would have him. I'd be like, yeah, you know, I want Jim Lee to draw me a Batman. Because his style is so specific, you know? Yeah, but so what was he talking about? Because he's he's not, I mean, his art doesn't lend itself to animation at all. Well, I mean, you know, we have a partnership with DC, and we do all the, like, DC superhero girls and DC Lego stuff and all that. So, you know, he's a contributor over at DC. Obviously, he's a big part of DC. So... I think he was brought over kind of because of that partnership, but that's kind of the point. Like, I was glad to have him there. I'm always, I'm like, yeah, tell me about what you do. Like, I was happy to listen to him, but I'm also kind of like, why are you here? <laughs> you know? Like, I don't know why you're here, but I'm happy you are because they didn't, they didn't say that to expect also a special guest, Jim Lee. And they didn't, so it was super bizarre because they were literally like, oh, great job, everybody this year, WB Animation, you know, this is all these great things we're working on. And now special guest Jim Lee. And we're like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about so it was amazing he talked I mean I'm glad again I'm glad to hear him speak because he talked a lot about his schedule 
and like the the things that he uses, the items that he uses to work. But uh, he said he's he's trained. He had to train himself to be able to work anywhere, right? He's like, and that was a conscious decision, basically, so that he doesn't get, he doesn't like have to be at home, you know, on like on the certain table, and he, um, nope, nope, okay, all right, that's not it. I tried. You did try. I'll look for it. Uh, but he doesn't, you know, have to be at home, um, you know, on his table working. He can. He's like, yeah, I draw on planes, hotel rooms. Uh, he he can anywhere, right? He can draw anywhere, which is cool. And I think that's hard. I think that we get, if you're an artist, I think it's it's really easy to be like, well, this isn't my, this isn't where I'm comfortable. This isn't my space. Um, but he he said he works everywhere, and his schedule is bananas because he's a husband and a father and so he you know he's in the office pretty much regular hours and then he goes home and hangs out with his kids and stuff and you know does dinner and then he's up until like three o'clock in the morning three or four o'clock in the morning drawing and I know that's true because I follow him on Instagram so I'll see these posts that he does he's crazy hours and then he gets up at like 7 a.m. And works out and then goes to work. So he's he's working on like three and a half or four hours of sleep every night. And I don't understand. <laughs> he is a superhuman. Like I don't I don't understand how he how he's doing it. You know, and I think it's cool too that he still draws and he still contributes and he still finds joy in that because I know that he has a lot of creative pull now. So he oversees a lot of things. That's you know? true. But I think like all the image founders. Like I feel like him, Eric Larson, probably the the two most that do still draw, mm-hmm. especially did like Tom McFarlane, even though he's like involved in the writing of Spawn, doesn't do as much art uh, work exclusively all the time. Mm-hmm. Mark Silvestri, man, I think he's very rare that you get to see him do stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's great. I mean, you've got you get a lot more television projects, other multimedia projects, and mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, you know, maybe your focus gets split. But I wonder if like some of them are, do they miss it? Do Are they just relieved to like, great, I can make a living not always having to bust my butt on a very solitary process of drawing on right. a board by myself for hours? I don't know. I guess it probably depends on what your what your ambitions were, you know, and are. Um, I think if, you, if you're like, yeah, I want to eventually, I'm going to be a writer and I'm going to eventually oversee the creation of content and that kind of becomes one of your goals. And I think maybe you're not as attached to the art process. It's not... But I think it's also really easy to – you're so busy that you it stops being a priority. Like what used to bring you joy stops bringing you joy because you're so busy doing other things. And you're like, but this is the job that I wanted. And you don't always think about what happens when you stop that. So I don't know. I think it's I think it's nice. I, I would – yeah, I'd buy some something from him. But I think that's, that's kind of what I would do, right? It would be like a big – like a – big awesome wonder woman portrait or or you have him draw you and mike as superheroes i mean i think that's really baller i think that's so cool i would love to have i'm i mean i guess in that respect i'm like yeah i'm real vain but i i would love to have like different artists do uh pictures of me as a superhero like their take i think would be really cool you've got a lot of time before the wedding i think you should really look around (laughs) and find a few artists that you like that are affordable and you should commission Pictures of you and Micah superheroes for wedding day. Which is super cool. Yes. Yeah, that'd be neat. It'd be really cool. You could get them nicely framed. They're going to be in your place. Mm -hmm. That'd be really cool. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. I feel like you're just blowing this off. No, I might. This is it's. It makes it less vain if I do to both of us. It makes it less weird. 
you know. But I like I like seeing. I mean, this is one of the things I really enjoyed about this book is you're seeing so many different interpretations of similar or the same characters. And I love that. So for me, we had, you know, at work, we had like, I work with a bunch of artists. So we have like a caricature wall. And if you're, it's your turn, then everybody draw and you want to participate, everybody draw, draws a caricature of you. When I saw yours and they yeah, had a I, lot of cool interpretations yeah, of you. Yeah, like four or five different ones. And I love, I just love and respect artists. I do. I just think even if it's not my favorite style, I love an, an original interpretation of anything I think is, is so neat. And there is a part that appeals to your vanity because you're like, it's me. <laughs> Aw, that's just me. But it's funny to see the details people choose to include. You know, mm-hmm. so every caricature of me ever made, I've got like big giant eyes because my eyes are big <laughs> in real life. Like they like half my face, you know? So that I know usually is going to be part of it, but it's fun seeing people's different um, styles and their different takes and, and things like that. So. You know, one of the guys, and especially in that context, they only know me from the office, really. So it's pictures of me, like, mostly with the exception of one of them, pictures of me, like, at my desk. You know, so what do I have on my desk? I've got, like, a, a air pure, like, a humidifier. There's, like, aromatherapy in it, and I'm usually drinking tea. So one Great. of the guys drew a picture of me with, you know, like, a little, and I was like, what is that on my desk? And it's like, a little hum- it's, like, a little humidifier on my desk. And two of the guys actually drew me, like, with that little humidifier. So it's so funny because it's like, I would never pick a humidifier as part of my personality. <laughs> it's like part of my identity. But for them, because that's where they see me is at my desk, usually that to them is part of my identity. So I think it's really, I think that's really interesting. Do you know what I mean? Is there, wait, I, I don't know. It's like, you, that's my, mm-hmm. that's my Green Lantern ring. Look, no. What's it called? Green Lantern. Green Lantern ring. Yes, your power ring. What's it ring? called? My power ring. Yes. It's like my power ring. Just I've not. Take on your power humidifier. Yeah, exactly. Right. Just wear your oath over it and recharge yourself. <laughs> oh well, see, I feel like you know what you could do. You could go to WonderCon when it's uh, here yeah. beginning of April. You could walk Artist Alley, take a look at all the different artists there, see if somebody there that, that appeals to you, their mm-hmm. style, and then I'd see if they'd be down for doing a, a commission of you and Michael. Yeah, I think that's super fun. That's a good idea. Good idea, go. Frank. Well, tell Michael not to listen to this podcast, so it's a real surprise. Okay. But you should do that. I think that'd be awesome. I should do that. I'm trying to think if I have enough time to do it in like the next two weeks so I have something to give him for Valentine's Day. I don't know what to get him. What? You gave him your heart. Yeah, I'll just tell him that's enough. That's it. <laughs> just tell him that's enough. Um, yeah. No, I love that idea. I think it's cool. I And I do. I just... Yeah, that's one of the things I liked when I was in art classes is you get to see drawing a still life or whatever. You see that thing through the eyes of 30 different people, you know, which is neat. Yeah. yeah there's something really cool about that. So. I mean, I guess you could also reach out to somebody at work, too, if you really like their art style and see if they'd be down. Yeah. Well, I'm actually something I have considered is doing that and basically talking to, you know, like a couple of different people and being like, hey, here we are. Would you mind? I'll commission you for a cute little just like a cute little picture and then to hang them up Not and a cute little picture it's you, you know at least like, just <laughs> holding your arms out it's like, like you know like, like five 30, feet 36 by, by 48 okay great yeah that's Perfect. like that <laughs> um but yeah and framing them and using them at the wedding is like centerpieces i think Ooh, would be super cool that's they, and then take the originals and then get them framed nicely and have them in your home yeah oh that'd be nice at this. This has turned into the Novice and Frank wedding planning podcast. Yeah, I am so excited. Are you going to WonderCon? Uh, I think I, I think I, I will get I will go probably at least one day. I think I've never been. 
Never? Mm-mm. You're, oh, you're missing out. You, now that you are uh, a member of the media, or that's media, I'm sorry, professional, you can get in for free. Can I still, though? Because I, I didn't get my... Um, I didn't get my credentials in time for Comic-Con. What? You didn't turn your stuff in? No. I didn't know that it was like... It's like it was like a year away. I didn't know I had to turn mm. all my credentials that early. You should check online, see if the credentials, the window's closed for that. Okay, and for WonderCon? Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Uh, and I at the time when I looked, it wasn't open. So maybe now it's... I, I would suggest now, yes, the perfect time to be looking at it. Great. So yes, because I bet, I bet you January is, mm. a, is a prime month. Cool. Prime month. Prime, prime month. month. Like Get prime that. Earth. Yes. There's Earth Prime. Earth there prime? you go. Where Not Ultra prime where Ultra's prime. from. 33? Yes. Yes. I thought that was uh, really cool. I'm learning. Look at you. Oh, boy. Uh, and it was cool to see Ultra back here, like a character that was uh, appeared in a Justice League comic, like the 160s, I think, around there, from our superhero from Earth Prime. Mm. So it was cool to have a nice little callback from there. Grandma Morrison made he touched base with all of it. He did. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't understand... How he got so much in there. Well, I guess the next time you're hanging out, because you guys I'll are ask best him. friends. I'll just ask him and be like, GM. <laughs> G-more. Uh, what was the deal with multiversity? What was, <laughs> what was the deal? <laughs> I'll just ask him that. He'll be like, get out of here, stranger. <laughs> I don't know or like you. Get out. Uh, so <laughs> overall, uh, did you enjoy reading multiversity? I did. I did enjoy it. It's a lot still, but it wasn't as, it's it's strange. With as much as this was, I still found it easier to read than some of the other like crossover things. Oh, nice. There was so much going on, but I feel, and maybe it's just because now I'm a little more familiar, so it was like less weird and scary. But, uh, but I did, I felt like I had a better understanding of some of this than well, the other I, ones. Yeah, because I think while it does touch on a lot of old DC concepts mm-hmm. and characters, I mean, it's him kind of freshening up everything. So I feel like a lot of people are coming in, uh, you know, much like yourself, maybe not aware of all these old little go- Easter eggs from DC history. Mm-hmm. You're now just seeing them as kind of like spit-polished versions. And for the majority, it's like a nice mix of older characters and then just new ideas. Yeah. So I feel like it's great for somebody that doesn't have a lot of experience in these things. You can still come in and not feel like you're lost. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, look at mm, that. I so recommend it. I think we both recommend Multiversity. We would. Yes. We would recommend yeah. it. Well, that's fantastic. But, you know, as we wrap up this, we should think about what we should read for next episode. Um, I don't know. I mean, I do. I need to read Watchmen at some point. Um, mm. Do you have any anything that you really want to do? Hmm. Do I really want to? I don't know if I want to tackle Watchmen. Oof. <laughs> I know Trevor's excited by that. Mm, yes. But you know, uh, while, while we think about that for a second, folks, you know, it's not just Amanda and I recommending titles to each other that are to read. You, the listener, can also recommend titles to us as well. And Amanda, if they wanted to recommend a, a, a something that we should read, if you're a creator and you have a new project you want us yeah, to read and talk about. Yeah, we'd love to talk about your project. Or you're just a fan that says, it'd be fun to hear what you guys have to think about this. Mm-hmm. How would they get in touch with us? Uh, they can email us at thenoviceandfrank at gmail.com. Uh, they can tweet at us using uh, hashtag noviceandfrank. Um, they can comment on any of the, the sites, iTunes, or Podbean, wherever you're finding this podcast. Uh, where can they find you specifically, Frank, if they're like, listen, I don't want to talk to Amanda. I only want to talk to Frank. He knows what's up. Well, that, one, that'll never happen. <laughs> uh, but two, you can find me at a pie shop. Oh, yeah, great. We're both <laughs> we're both at your uh, neighborhood-friendly pie shops. That's right. Just come on down. Uh, uh, but you can also follow me on Twitter at HappyGoJackie. That's right. They can find me at Comic Book Novice on uh, Instagram and Twitter. 
That's oh. where they can find me. And yeah, if you guys, if you would recommend things for us to read, we wouldn't have to have this like weird, awkward silence where we try to figure out what we're reading next. I can just come in and be like, this was recommended by a fan. And if you let us know your social media uh, handle, then we can also give you a little shout out on the show. That's very, very true. Mm-hmm. Uh, oof. You know what? All right. Did okay. you find something? I found you something. You know what you want. It'd be an old school visit. Okay. Again, but this is a classic run. Okay. Uh, and if you're an X-Men the movie fan, we've seen yeah, X-Men 3, uh, mm-hmm. where we saw you know, the, you know the rise and fall of Jean Grey, the mm-hmm. Phoenix. Yes. We could read the, uh, the Phoenix storyline. Okay. This X-Men. was the one that I was like, why isn't she called the Phoenix? Because why is she not the Phoenix? Yes. Great. So well, let's read that. I'm starting out already irritated. Ah. It's perfect. And you have, uh, you have Marvel Unlimited, right? I do. So it's all right there okay. at your disposal. Great. So we're reading, what's, so what is it called? The uh, the Phoenix story, which is it's just called the Phoenix story. Yeah, uh, gosh, it's gonna be. I'll tell you the exact numbers right now. Okay. Uh, which is gonna be real. Oh, this is gonna be cool because I I've been kind of having like the itch to read these in a while. Okay. So I'm like, all right, it'd be fun. So to you go back. so you have read this. You're just we're revisiting but, for you. Oh, but it's been a long time, so it'll be fun to kind of go back to this again. Okay. Uh, Let me pull up the issues number. I'm going to say it's like 128 to 136, I believe. And am I going to be lost because it's in the middle of a series? No. 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 You'll know all the essentials for that. Okay. Uh, All you need to know is that uh, Jean Grey sacrificed herself to save the X-Men and then was given this incredibly cosmic power. And she's now become gone from just Marvel Girl to now the Phoenix. So Jean Grey was Marvel Girl and this the Phoenix. Why does she have so many names? I, th- I thought Marvel. Well, I guess because you know she's been reborn as the Phoenix. Mm, so there you go. Okay. I was, but I mean, I, I like that Marvel Girl costume. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask Trevor. Trevor, as a uh, person that reads comic books, what did you think of uh, Jean Grey's original Marvel Girl costume? Like the Jack Kirby. The- no, I'd say uh, more like the Roy Thomas Neil Adams, where with the uh, the the green, uh, the the yellow, the yellow face mask and the green dress. I like that. I like her. I think it's a better look. And a better color palette than her weird half-naked thing that, like, Jim Lee instituted. Yeah. Or at least the, the popular 90s look of her from the cartoon. Yeah. Where it looks like she just has massive side boobs. <laughs> yes. Like, I appreciated yeah. that as a child. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I like her with the, the green and yellow. I think that's her best look. And especially it's something that looks really good as the Phoenix as well. Yes. I think, I think the green Phoenix costume is the best Phoenix costume as well. Oh. Jean Grey in green is really is her lane is where yeah. she should be. That's yeah, true. That's cool. Anything out of that? Not so good. Not a fan. Okay. No. All, All right. right. So it is. Uh, yep. Yeah, one. Uh, actually, excuse me. One thirty-seven. So and we start off. Uh, let's. Uh, all right. Let's let's we'll we'll go. We'll go do one. Let's do one twenty-seven to one thirty-seven. One twenty-seven so to one thirty-seven. Yes. And who's the writer? It's Chris Claremont and John Byrne. Okay. A classic pairing, which I, uh, for many people, would say that the X Men title that right there is like their peak point of power, and that the uh, neither of those went on to do something as great as that uh, individually. Okay. Because John Byrne had this great lengthy run of Fantastic Four, which I really enjoyed, which I, I'm really excited to go back and reread. That's because it's been a long time. But then Chris Claremont stuck on the X Men for years and years and years and years after that with a variety of different artists. But there's always uh, there are some people that would say that the the, the best distillation of X Men was the Burn Claremont run. Oh, okay. So uh, I guess we'll we'll see. All righty. 
Well, and I'm, ar- I'm already calling dibs too. When we get ready for Iron Fist, when it gets out on Netflix, uh-huh. we're going to read some of the old school Iron Fist that John Byrne and Chris Claremont did. Okay. It's going to be awesome. All right. Okay. Yes. We've got a plan. All right. We've got a plan. So great. So we'll be reading uh, The Phoenix Story. Yes. For next time. Um, if you guys have any suggestions, please let us know. And uh, thank you so much for the Nerdist School for letting us record in your podcast booth and for having us in your network. Check out some of the other amazing uh, podcasts, Podcast Two Worlds. We love to pitch every time because they're amazing. Yeah, that's Trevor. Trevor. Yes, that's Trevor. And um, check out the other ones if you if you like nerdy stuff, which I assume you do because you're listening to this. Mm. Uh, check out uh, we've got cool Buffy podcasts and the Bro C is funny and Rachel and Sam read a story. Um, so check them out; they're great. Absolutely, a good use of your audio listening time. That's right. Make use of that commute, especially right. if you're in LA. You got nothing else to do in your car. Very true. Yeah, and great stuff to listen to at the gym. You're on the treadmill, on the elliptical, on the you know, the bike. Great things to listen to. Great things to listen to. Let us be in your ears while you sweat away. <laughs> that sounds awful, but great. Uh, let's play keep ourselves out. You can get the, keep sweating. Keep sweating. Keep sweating. <laughs> that was our quick inspirational moment for those of you who listen to this on an exercise machine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, yes, we need to close this out. We got to close it out. Let's do it. I'm a little kid who's got superpowers. Reading my books I could do for hours. Getting hit shot makes me real sour. But listen to me and I'll buy you a flower. Pick up multiversity. Find out I'm really a robot. So many twists and turns, you won't know it, but we'll talk you through it on The Novice. And And Frank. Frank. Uh, Spot on. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good good night. (laughs) Nailed it, guys. Nailed it. I'm a robot.